All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome once again to the Sunday Morning Digital Cathedral. If you have your Bible with me uh, and would like to follow along, we're up to Philippians chapter four. It's hard to believe that we have come through Galatians, Ephesians, and we're on our last chapter of Philippians. So next Sunday morning, we will be starting uh, the fourth book, the last book in this study that we started in January on the book of Colossians. In this fourth chapter of Philippians, I think there's a message that is so right on time for us in the world that we're living in and everything that we're facing today that I want you to pay really close attention for a couple of reasons. First of all, <clears throat> because I think it'll minister to you. But second of all, I also think there's going to be a lot of revelation and information that you're going to receive this morning that's going to help you to pass on to other people that you encounter liberty and freedom. So we're going to unwind. There's at least eight good verses, maybe nine verses in this chapter that really stand out. And these eight, nine verses are all about you and I learning how, once again, to demonstrate the kingdom of God in the world that we live in as manifested sons and daughters. Then at the very end of the chapter, after Paul goes through these eight verses, at the very end of the chapter, he hits this unique challenge based on what he's been trying to develop through the early part of the chapter. He just brings it to such a beautiful conclusion. And I don't want to spill the beans, but it's in that 19th verse where he says, My God shall meet all of your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now, what prompted Paul to say that? What brought Paul to that conclusion? That's what we're going to walk through this morning. So here to begin with, in, uh, in this first part of, of Philippians chapter 4, I want to look at some good measuring cups, you know, some good uh, rulers, some good tape measures. I'll call, I'll call them, I'm going to stick with measuring cups. I like that. There's some good measuring cups that help us see the level of sonship and daughterhood that we're actually walking in right now today in 2020. So let's start out with this fourth verse, Philippians chapter four. And, and I would really encourage you to, to grab a Bible. I use the New King James Version. Grab a Bible and follow along with me because these, these verses in this fourth chapter, they build on one another. And a lot of the keys to one verse are unlocked either in the verse before it or the verse after it. So I really want you to get a hold of the, of the progression that Paul builds within this fourth chapter of Philippians. All right, Philippians chapter four, verse four says this. Rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. All right, rejoicing is an outward action. But you can't rejoice outwardly if there is not an inward joy. Rejoicing comes from an inward joy. Uh, Scripture, and I'm not sure what the, what the address of the scripture is, but it says the joy of the Lord is my strength, right? So joy is a work inwardly. Rejoicing is a manifestation outwardly of the work that goes on inside of us, which means that you and I are going to have to learn how to plant some joy seeds in us to grow the ability to rejoice always. Now, joy is a fruit of the Spirit. So that tells me that we cultivate joy as we walk in spirit, live in spirit, fellowship in spirit, uh, ponder on spiritual things, which he's going to get to on how to develop this a little bit later in the chapter. But you, you have the decision, you have the choice whether you can rejoice always based upon the joy that you have allowed to develop and be nurtured in you by the spirit. So what we want to do is not focus so much on the rejoicing outwardly, because you can make that, you know, very religious uh, a facade, a veneer that you're all happy and rejoicing when inside you're dying a death. So we don't, I'm not, I'm not looking to focus on the rejoicing, although Paul starts out that fourth verse with an outward act, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. So just hold tight a little bit. We're going to get into how Paul says to do that. But I want you to see that the emphasis has got to be on growing the, the, the fruit of the Spirit, the joy within. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to rejoice always and in everything. Joy raises your frequency. It raises your vibration. It, it, it's one of those things that allows you to, to see everything a little bit different. And as you see things different, that rejoicing, if you notice how rejoicing lifts your spirits, you can rejoice your way. 
If, if you are walking in joy and you're hit, you know, you're broadsided by something, man, you didn't expect it. You didn't think the doctor was going to say that or you got in a fender bender on the way to the grocery store, something that would try to <clears throat> rob your joy or you're rejoicing in everything. But if you have been walking in joy, you have cultivated that fruit of the spirit. You know what? It's not going to it's not going to tear you up. It's not going to it's not going to to wreak havoc on your day so much. Now, I'm going to be the first one to tell you there are things that try to impede that growth of joy in your life or that fruit of the spirit development. Depression is one. Anxiety is another. Those are probably the two biggest things that try to stop us from developing joy, which manifests in rejoicing in everything. Now, here's been my observation, and I'm not trying to paint this with a real broad brush, but here's just an observation I've made. And maybe it's more of an observation out of my life and, and people that I've been close to that I've observed. Depression and anxiety rob you of joy. They're joy stealers. They're joy thieves. I found that people that are depressed are generally living in the past. There's something in the past that they wish they would have done differently, made a different decision, uh, gone a different route, felt like maybe they wasted time, they could have done better. There, there's a whole lot of things. When you look back, hindsight is so good, isn't it? I mean, we're all geniuses with hindsight. Depression, I've noticed, is an indication that oftentimes we're living in the past. Anxiety, on the other hand, is an indication you're living in the future. You're insecure, you're not sure what's gonna happen, uh, maybe things haven't been going well. And so when you look down the road at uh, one year, five years, or uh, if you're older and you're looking at how you're gonna, how life is gonna end, or you're gonna have no money to survive, it can create tremendous anxiety because you're living in the future. Peace on the other, on the other hand, the joy, the rejoicing comes when you're living in the moment, when you're living in the now, when you're living today, you have what you need for today, there's cause to rejoice. If you're making it through today, then there's, there's every reason that we have to rejoice. So, so the measure is this. I told you we're giving some measure, measuring cups here. Here's the measuring cup. Has joy strengthened you enough? Have you developed it enough internally that whatever comes to you across your path, whatever circumstance arises, that you can rejoice regardless. That you that you're not that it's not going to put you into a funk. That you're not going to live in depression because of what has happened, or it's not going to create anxiety because, uh, man, you this thing happened and now you don't know the chain reaction it's going to create and what's going to come as a result of this. Have, has joy strengthened you not enough internally? Have you? Have you spent enough time in spirit? Have you dwelt enough time in spirit that joy is strong enough that will enable you to rejoice in everything? Now, verse six, let's go on. He builds on this a little bit in verse six. I'll come back to verse five a little later. So verse four, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. So it's important because Paul reiterates it or repeats it. So it's something that I think that we should take seriously when Paul says rejoice in the Lord. Okay, that's that's Paul talking. But then when he says, and again I say, rejoice in the Lord always. All right, now watch. He's going to build on this a little bit in verse 6. Be anxious for nothing. I just told you anxiety is a joy killer. So he's telling us in verse 6, don't be anxious for anything, but by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. As that joy works up in your life, you don't have to be anxious. When you're not anxious, be anxious for nothing. Don't let anything make you anxious. Your inner man is sustained by verse six, by being anxious for nothing. And you're gonna find that when you're anxious for nothing, it, it's like it lights the fuse of joy. It stops you from the depression and the anxiety. I know in my personal life, when I get anxious about something, at that point, I've just stepped out of spirit. At that point, the development of joy inwardly, which then can allow me to rejoice in a thing that's making me anxious, I've stepped out of that. I've stepped out of the joy, I've stepped out of the rejoicing, and I find myself anxious, which means I've come out of spirit, and now I've moved over to soul. 
I'm looking at something with my emotions, I'm looking at it with my mind, I'm trying to figure it out, I'm trying to settle myself down. So my mind and emotions now all of a sudden are driving the bus. They've got their hands on the wheel of my life and now, not now my mind and emotions, my soul is driving, it becomes central. And the way out of that, he gives us a great, great clue in verse six. He said, don't be anxious for anything, but by prayer, by fellowship, by meditating, by spending time in the presence of the Father, by fellowshipping with the Father, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, you make, you're making requests, you're in the spirit, you're fellowshipping, you're saying, Father, you know, and I'm not requesting stuff. You know what I'm really requesting? I'm requesting that my, my joy return, that I'm able to come out of this being driven by my emotions, and I'm able to make this shift back into spirit. Now, this is a decision. This is a decision, because once anxiety takes over and you feel anxious about something, and it has, it has shriveled your rejoicing, your joy up to where you, you don't have it anymore. It's a, it's a decision then all of a sudden to begin to come back and fellowship with the Father, move yourself back into a spiritual plane, into a spiritual dimension, where once again, you can do three things. Remember, I've, I've, I've taught you this. Three things, you wanna rest, trust, and believe. So moving back into the spirit out of soul allows you to move back into resting, trusting, and believing. Now resting, let me go over this again because some of you are new to the digital cathedral. Resting does not mean you don't do anything. Resting means you simply calm yourself until you see, receive instruction. When the Lord begins to direct you, then you move. When the Lord speaks to you, you speak. When he gives you an action to take, you take it. That's what resting is. Resting very simply means that you have ceased from your labors. And man, when I'm anxious, when I'm, when I'm anxious, I don't know about you, when I'm anxious, I can devise 10 plans to solve the dilemma and I hope coil my anxiety. And the more I follow my devised plans that don't work, the more anxious I become. The more I find myself uh, striving to try, to try to make something work. So I have to come back to this rest. I have to say, okay, self, you need to settle down. Soul, emotions, and mind, you're not driving the bus any longer. We're gonna move back over into this place and we're gonna start looking at this joy that comes from assurance that I wanna get to in some of the later verses. Some of the assurance that God has given us that we're not walking through this thing alone. We're never by ourselves. I don't care how it looks, you are not by yourself. Jesus was not by himself when he hung on the cross. The Father was in Christ, reconciling to the world, to himself. So everything that Jesus went through, the Father went through. Everything you're going through, he's going through with you. And he has gone through with you in the past. So resting, resting is where you cease from your labors. Trusting is where you just lean back into his arms and, and tell yourself, look, the Father's got this. Sometimes that's, that's something you say and you're going, your mind is going, does he really? No, when you rest and you cease from your labors and you stop, it becomes easier to rest in him, all right? Just fall back into his arms and then believe. Believe is not so much an action as it is a response. Believing is a response to revelation or a response to what he's showing you. Now, when he shows me something, I'm not worn out, I'm not tired, I'm not uh, emotionally drained because I've been resting. So when he shows me what I need to do, then I'm able to respond to it. I have the strength, I have the energy to carry on with it. Now Peter, Paul covers this in verse seven. So verse four, he says, rejoice always. Verse seven, don't be anxious. And in verse eight, he, he gives, man, this is a great clue right here, verse eight. Verse seven, I'm sorry. And let the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. Let the peace of God, he, Jesus is the Prince of Peace. When the Father visits you with peace, peace will cover your heart and mind. You say, self, settle down. We're, we're, gonna, we're gonna consciously enter into peace. Let the peace of God rule in your heart. Let the peace of God keep your heart in mind. 
Here's what peace will do. Peace will cut anxiety off it to pass. When you allow peace to begin to flood your life, you get a hold of yourself, you begin to rest, you begin to trust, you begin to just simply believe. You take a deep breath, you let that peace come back again. The peace, Paul says in verse eight, in verse seven, the peace of God, which passes understanding, your mind that has been all upset, has been, has been going crazy on you, won't catch it, but it will guard your heart and your minds through Christ Jesus, not through your effort, not through your trying. The, Jesus himself is gonna come and minister this peace to you. So here's my question today to you, this morning to the Digital Cathedral on this Sunday morning. Do you have more anxiety in your life or do you have more peace? Which one has really got a hold of your life? Which one is ruling, ruling you from a, on a day-to-day on -day basis? I know on Sunday morning you come in here with me and all the other people from around the world at the Digital Cathedral. And I know it's easy to be peaceful and to settle in to, to the things of God. But when you face things on a daily basis, do you have more peace or do you have more anxiety? Now here's, here's the measure. Here's the measure. Watch it this week. See if this doesn't happen. When something pops up unexpected, how do you walk it out? How do you normally live? Does it cause stress? Does it cause anxiety? Or do you immediately, are you immediately able to pull back and let the peace of God guard your heart and your mind and then wait by resting, trusting, and believing for instruction on what to do? Now, Paul in verse eight, so verse, verse four, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Don't be anxious for nothing, but by prayer, fellowship, supplication. Then he says in verse seven, let the peace of God rule in your heart. Now in verse eight, he's really gonna start to get down to it. Verse eight, he's gonna tell you how to do this, how to rejoice, how to not be anxious, and how to release peace into your life. Are you with me? All right, don't, don't lose me this morning. Stay with me because before we're done, this, this is gonna minister to you, and as it ministers to you, you're gonna be able to minister to other people. Watch verse eight. Verse eight is so good. Verse eight. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are noble, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there's any virtue, if there's any praise in them or they're praiseworthy, meditate on those things. So Paul is saying you need to meditate on things that are good, pure, perfect, lovely, and of a good report, all right? So when, when, when things come across your path that are not good, pure, perfect, lovely, or of a good report, you hear a bad report, don't meditate on it. Meditating on it builds it. When something comes across your path that's not good, don't meditate on it. Don't, don't give it legs. It'll build anxiety. It'll build frustration. It'll pull you out of spirit and will put you back in soul where your mind and your emotions are now ruling your life. Verse eight gives us the measure of what we are to dwell on. He says, meditate on these things. Come on, guys, this is not hard. This is not rocket science. This is a decision that you and I can make. Things that are good, pure, perfect, lovely, and of a good report, if they're, if they're praiseworthy. He said, meditate on that. When you do, it builds the joy. And when the joy is built, you can rejoice. When you meditate on those things, anxiety goes. When you meditate on those things, peace all of a sudden begins to enter your life and it, and it puts a wrap around your heart and around your mind. Don't you love the way Paul builds on this? He goes from four to, to uh, six to seven to eight and he just walks us right through the journey that I'm sure Paul lived himself on how to make this work out in his own life. So verse eight gives us the measure of what we're to dwell on, what we're to think about, the movies, that we let run in our mind. Have you noticed those movies that run in your mind that create anxiety and depression? Have you noticed those movies, every time you run the movie, it gets longer and longer until pretty soon you've got an anxious double feature running in your head? 
You've, you've got a, a double feature of depression and you have driven yourself deeper into it. When you change your thoughts, when you look at verse 8, things that are good, pure, perfect, lovely, good report, praiseworthy, you change your thoughts, you change your perception. And when you change your perception, you change your reality. The world that I live in today is the world that I built by perception. I built it because of what I imagined, the way that I saw situations, the way I saw myself, the way I saw my life building and, and, and emerging. And the same is true with you. I will guarantee today that you're living either in the peace or the anxiety that you've allowed to come into your life. So Paul said, don't allow it. Don't let it happen. Adjust your thinking. Get a hold of yourself. Good, pure, perfect, lovely, and of a good report. So verse 8 is the key to verses 4, 6, and 7. You meditate on those things, and the anxiety level will diminish. Let's go on to verse 12, because here's a huge measure. Verse 12. Verse 11, verse 12. Not that I speak in regard of want, for I have learned in whatever state I am therein to be content. Verse 12. I know how to be abased. I know how to abound everywhere and in all things. I've learned how to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. <clears throat> Here's a measure. Here's a measure that has just wiped a lot of us out. But as you come through four, six, seven, and eight, then you're able to live verses 11 and 12. Let me read verse 11 again. Verse 11 says, not that I speak in regard to want or need, for I have learned in whatever state that I'm in, whatever the condition is, I'm still rejoicing. I'm not anxious, right? Peace is ruling in my heart. My mind is still fixed on good, pure, perfect, lovely, and of good report and praiseworthy things. Therefore, therefore, I'm content. I'm content. Paul said, I'm, I, know how to have, I know how to have a pocket full of money and I know how to be broke. Come on, can you relate? I can relate to that. I, 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 know, I've, I, I know how to be able to go to lunch anywhere I want to go to lunch and pay the bill. And I know when I've got to have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich in the car because I don't have any money. I've been both places. And probably most of you at the Digital Cathedral have too. And instead of being grumpy and gripey and feeling the world is against me and getting depressed and anxious and letting your peace be torn up, you know what? Paul says he's learned how to be content. How, how did he do that? because of verse eight, what he's dwelling on, what he's thinking on. And he's not allowed verse, he's allowed verse seven, the peace to neutralize the anxiety of verse six. Therefore, he can rejoice in all things. That's the measure. When it gets to the abased, see, when it gets to the hungry, when it gets to we think we need, then all of a sudden we throw it out the window. We throw all of this stuff out the window and we feel like, man, God's abandoned me. He doesn't care for me. My life doesn't count anymore. Uh, what's the purpose? Why go on? Uh, the measure is contentment. Is contentment a peaceful happiness, satisfied with where you find yourself at any given time, knowing that what you're in does not define you. Your circumstances do not define you. The situation Maybe you're in a tough situation today. Maybe you're in a great situation today. Either end of the scale, that's not what defines you. That's not what defines you. The measure is this. Can you be happy regardless? Can you rejoice regardless? Or does your happiness depend on happenings? I've got, I've got friends, man, in ministry that if the ministry's going well, the crowd is coming in, the, the finances are, are flowing, they're happy. But I've been with them. Uh, I visited one the other day that this, this corona thing, this COVID-19 has just about wiped his church out. His attendance is down, his finances are down. Uh, uh, as we worked out, he said he may have to shut it all down. He didn't know what to do. And he wasn't, he, you know, he had lost his joy. He had lost his joy. He wasn't content. And do you know why? Because he wasn't thinking on things that were good, pure, perfect, lovely, and of a good report. He was thinking on negative, losing, loss. Uh, it's over. I can't make it. There's no way to dig out of this. 
And that, that movie played in his mind. And by the time that I had gotten to him, it has been playing since April. It had been playing since April. So now it's a double feature, man. He's bought a ticket to both shows. And so we talked and we visited and we worked at it. The measure is this, can you be happy regardless? If God takes the building, if God takes the money, if God takes, if, you know, he doesn't take it, but if, if it's no longer there, if it's, if it's no longer, you have access to it, are, are you walking in the same measure of strength? All right, verse 13, verse 13. This is what creates your strength, verse 13. Hope you're getting something out of this, because I'll tell you today, I'm teaching myself happy. <laughs> verse 13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Right? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I, that's, that's, that's where we have to live. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Therefore, I can be content. Because where I'm at is not where I'm going to end up, maybe. Therefore, I can be content. I can think on things that are good, pure, perfect, lovely, and a good report because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's a good thing. That's a good report. Think on that. Don't think on the, 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 the anxious, negative, whatever is trying to harass you. Pull it back. Tell soul man, no, you're not running this show. Spirit man runs this show. So you can think on of it. Therefore, the peace of God is going to rule in your heart. You're not going to be anxious for anything. Therefore, you can rejoice in all things. Why? Because you can do everything through Christ who strengthens you, the one that's never left you. The measure is your willingness to fully rely on the one who empowers you inside. This is where everything changes inside. We're looking for things to change on the outside. We've lived there. There's not one person in the digital cathedral that has not been moved by what they see on the outside or what somebody has told them. It is shaking you sometimes. It shakes you to the core. But this is the one that you can do all things through that strengthens you. His strength comes from inside. Therefore, therefore, Paul says in verse 19, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And he says in verse 19, that was verse 13, then in verse 19, he says, My God shall meet every one of your need. Every one of your need, according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. You don't have needs. You ask 10 Christians to quote that verse, they will make it plural because they think they have needs. This is a heavy revy right here. He said, My God shall supply all of your need, singular. The only need that you have is to trust verse 13, that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you, that you and he are an unbeatable team because your lives are welded together. You're in union with him. He's the vine, you're the branches. So when the vine starts growing the peaches and, and the grapes, guess what you're going to manifest? You're going to manifest the fruit of that. So rest in it. Trust and believe. Are you with me? But by giving you the best. See, he, he said in verse 19, let me just, my mind's running, running ahead here a little bit. He said, my God shall supply all of your need. I want to make this point because it's important. My God shall meet all of your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. So God meets your need through Christ. Now think with me for just a minute. The Father has given us the best. He gave us Christ. He'll meet all of your need through Christ. He gave us the best. So when you have the best, see if you can follow me here. When you have the best, you have everything else that is less than the best. If I give you a $20 bill, you have a $10 bill with it already because you have $20. You have exceedingly abundantly above $10, you have 20. Therefore, you don't have to ask for 10 because I've given you 20. We don't have to ask that our needs be met because the need meter dwells within us. The $20 bill lives in us. We don't have to ask for $10 needs that they be met. I hope you're tracking with me. Listen, listen, this is important stuff because we have Christians that are spending hours praying for this need and that need and another need, and they have so needy, and they have all kinds of needs that are flooding their life. No, you only got one need, to know that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. And when you know that, 
You're thinking on something that's good, pure, perfect, lovely, and of good report, and it certainly is praiseworthy. Therefore, you don't have to be anxious for anything. Therefore, the peace of God can rule in your hearts and minds, and you can rejoice always. And again, I say rejoice because the joy of knowing you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you, that strengthens you to where you can rejoice. Amen? Have you noticed how contrary this stuff is I'm teaching you this morning, how contrary it is to the world system or the soulish system or even the religious system we came out of? Religious system we came out of taught us that we need to pound the gates of heaven to get what we need. We need to push in, in the spirit. We've got to push through the, the, the powers of darkness to get what we need. No, he's given you all things that you need according to life and godliness. These are verses that show how the manifested sons and daughters of God think. This shows what the mind of Christ is. Verses 4, 6, 7, uh, 8, 11, 12, 13, 19. Those are all verses that show how the mind of Christ thinks. Those verses, they turn a great big spotlight on circumstances and they elevate you to a higher vibration. They, 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 they elevate you to a higher consciousness. They bring you to a different perspective. If you're scared of those words, they bring you higher in the spirit. How's that? They bring you higher in the spirit. So the question is then, how do you learn to move in those eight verses? Most of the time, now here's the message that I've got for you. And every week I come to the Digital Cathedral, I feel like I'm talking to you personally. I know there's a lot of people that watch this during the week but one of the things I love about doing this ministry like this is I feel when I look into that camera that it's just you and me. Just you and me. How, how, do, you, how do we live this out? And this is where I wanna just, I wanna talk to you personally today because this involves you. Most of the time, it's imparted from one person to another. And this is where you're coming in the kingdom right now. You are to impart to others so that they can live these eight verses out that we've talked about. And Paul understood that. Let me back up to verse nine. Paul understood that because he said, the things which you have learned and received and heard and saw in me, he said, those things I want you to do and the God of peace will be with you. So Paul said, this is where, you know, Paul was such a humble guy. But he was bold about where, where he stood in Christ. And you, you, you need to be humble. You need, you know, but you need to know that when you stand in Christ, you can say to someone the things that you've heard, seen, the things that you've heard me talk about, you've observed in my life. If you'll do those, then you can rejoice always. The peace of God will dwell in your hearts and minds. You don't have to be anxious for anything. You can think on things. If you watch me, watch my life, watch my life. This is what Paul is saying. Paul is telling the Philippian Christians, watch my life because I'm demonstrating it. They learned to live this out from the life of Paul. They learned, they received, they heard, they saw. And so the spirit of truth today is bringing forth the kingdom within us, within offspring. Uh, uh, it, the kingdom of God is manifesting through regular people. That's what I wanted to say. It's manifesting through regular people, not through platform superstars. This, this, this tsunami of God does not have platform superstars. There will not be platform superstars. No man is gonna get the glory for what is going on in the earth today. The Father's gonna get the glory. The Spirit of God is gonna be the one that leads us into all truth. But we do have a part in imparting what we have given to others. There's an impartation that automatically takes place that goes from one person to the next. And Paul talked about it, and I've read the scripture a lot of times where Paul talks to Timothy, and he says, Timothy, the things that I've taught you, the things that I've imparted into your life, I want you to teach other men who will then in turn teach other faithful men also. So Paul is saying, Timothy, I'm giving to you, give to someone else who'll be able to pass it down the line. Many of you, all right, look me right in the eye because I want to encourage you about something this morning. Many of you have a, have a lifetime of spiritual experiences. Some of them have been positive. Some of them have been very negative. Some of them have been tough. A lady messaged me this week. She's so discouraged. She said, I've been hurt so many times. 
She said, I'm numb. I don't even know what to do or what to believe anymore. I didn't want to tell her, but let me just tell you something. If that's the case, then you need to die to yourself. You can't hurt a dead man. There's, there's, there's something there that causes you to feel that. We need, we need to get past offense and unforgiveness and all of those things. You have a lifetime of spiritual experiences that you need to be able to pull on and impart into somebody else. See, my job is to manifest in front of you. That's what I feel. I, I, one of the reasons I feel God had me leave the, the building, the church, was to have a much wider audience to live a life out in front of. So that I could say to you, what you've learned, what you're learning here, what you're receiving, what you've seen in me and what you see of me on Sunday morning, Wednesday night, that's who I am. That I am nobody different than that. You can talk to people that have known me for years. I am what I am. I don't, I don't pull punches. I don't, I don't have any type of front or facade. And so I can say what you, what you pick up from me, what you've learned from me, what you've observed, what you've heard, do those things. And I want you to take the same spirit and pass it along to somebody else. See, you're part of the chain of the Paul to Timothy to faithful men who will teach others also. I say that to you because you're going to be bumping into a lot of people right now with all that's going on in the earth, all of the upheaval, everything that this this is such a dynamic time to live because everything that is being shaken is being shaken. We've read that scripture for years. Brother, we're living in it. We're in that day when everything that can be shaken naturally and, and uh, religiously is being shaken. And so as it's being sh shaken, people are looking for a rapture. There's still tons and tons of people you're gonna bump into that are looking to be raptured out of this mess. They're looking for Jesus to come back and to inflict punishment to those that have not prayed the magic prayer and have treated them poorly. That's what they're really looking for. Sad thing, sad thing. It, it, it grieves me to think that there are people that are looking to leave here, looking for Jesus to come in and punish everybody that hasn't done what they've done to get right with God. What a, what a sad state of religion that is. That's not what's happening. That's not what's happening. Jesus said in Luke 17, verse 20, 21, he said, you're looking here, you're looking there for the kingdom. You're looking for this to happen and that to happen. He said, none of that's gonna take place because the kingdom of God is within you. You are here today to learn all that you can learn to demonstrate a kingdom that is within. There's a total shift in paradigm going on right now. Discipleship is different than it's ever been. Evangelism is different than it's ever been. Do you remember old school discipleship? I mean, I, I used to do discipleship classes in church for years and years and years, and you know what they were really? And, and I knew what they were, but I thought it was right. They were actually indoctrination classes to produce people that would believe exactly like the rest of us believed, and to try to warn them not to believe anything different than what the rest of us believe. And evangelism, evangelism was about making a convert to your particular flavor of Christianity. If you were a Pentecostal, then you wanted to make sure they got uh, saved and sanctified and filled with the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. If you were a Baptist, you wanted to lead them down the Romans road and make sure they got water baptized. It, Jesus recognized that in religion. That whole paradigm has changed. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 23, long about verse 15, 16, talking to the Pharisees, the scribes and Pharisees, he said, man, shame on you guys. He said, you guys travel the, the world over to make one convert that is going to be more uh, uh, religious and uh, bound up than what you are. And let me just tell you, we all were, most of us were part of the evangelical church and we spent millions and millions and millions of dollars on missions to make converts to the evangelical belief system. We thought we were tying them to Jesus, but we were tying them to a belief system. Now look, we've moved out of that. We've moved out of that church age. We are not in the church age anymore. We, we systematize, uh, regula regulated Christianity and religion has gone. We've entered the third day. 
We've entered the day of resurrection life. We've entered the day of spirit life. Okay, so what we're experiencing as this first wave of people, and I almost tell you every week, because I, I don't want you to ever forget, you're part of this first wave. You're taking the bumps, the bruises, the hits that the people behind you are not gonna have to take. We're taking some knocks, guys. No question about it. We're taking knocks. We're taking criticism. We're being called names. But you're bringing a kingdom forth, and I don't wanna lose my point, that is largely going to be advanced by impartation. A kingdom where in the midst of, of world pandemics and a stock market that's, that's like this and, and a world that is in upheaval, we've come into the world for such a time as this to give a spiritual impartation either with words or by what the Spirit demonstrates through us. So Paul, in that ninth verse, says, guys, Philippians, he said, what you've learned, seen, heard, and experienced with me, he said, I want you to duplicate that. Do it over again. You, my friend, are reflecting the Christ, all right? You're, you're, you're taking his place. Jesus has sat down at the right hand of the Father, and he's waiting till all of his enemies be made his footstool, all right? He's, let, me, let me put it in modern English. He sat down and he's handed you the ball to score the touchdown. He's going to influence you, empower you, guide you, put his will within you that you score the touchdown. Let me break it down for you. A couple of weeks ago, I talked to you about uh, how to manifest as a son of God out of Luke uh, chapter 4, verse 17 and 18, where the Spirit of the Lord was upon Jesus to um, preach the gospel to the poor, heal the brokenhearted, set at liberty, the captives, uh, you know, remove the chains of bondage, preach the acceptable year of the Lord. See, those are the people that are open to the gospel. Those are the people that the Father's going to take you to. He's probably not going to take you so much to Joe and Susie Baptist or Fred and Mary Catholic, although there will be some of those, just as there were some of the some Jews that that believed in Jesus in Jesus' time. It's a rare thing, right? The Pharisees never were, nor will they ever be, open to the message that you and I are, are teaching. Your breakthrough into freedom, the thing that broke you through into freedom, and I know what it was for me. It was the, it was the message of grace that started it. But really what broke me through into real freedom was the love of the Father, getting a revelation of what a father really is what his unconditional love is about. Now for you, it might be something different, but here's my point. Listen, listen, your breakthrough into freedom, whatever it was, whatever, whatever took that biggest chain off of you is gonna be what you impart to other people that have needs. That's the fresh bread that you can pull out of the oven and serve it anytime you want. I can talk to anybody about the unconditional love of God that has no conditions because I lived under an, an unconditional love with conditions all of my adult life, all of my pastoral life. So when that, when that transformation happened in my life, I'm telling you right now, I can sit down with anybody and talk to them about a love that the Father has for them that is not based on what they do, what they say, what they believe, or their theology. I, I could go on and on about it and break it out and help them to see that just like they are, just like they are, he has fully accepted them and redeemed them, reconciled them, and has put no, no stipulation, no law of life on their, uh, on their living. Okay, I can break that out anytime. There's several others I could break out, but that was the big one. So the big one for you that really broke you out of that religious mold, that's gonna be kind of your ace in the hole that you're gonna find people coming across your path that need that impartation from you. So are you ready to impart? Are you ready to give out? Because he's prepared you to release. He's prepared you to serve that fresh bread. And I'll, listen, I, 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 here's what I'm feeling. Some of you are afraid because you say, I don't know how to, I, I can't verbalize, I'm not good at talking. Sometimes, the impartation comes when you're totally unaware of it. People have imparted to me that they didn't even know they were imparting because it's better, you know, you know that old phrase, is better caught than taught? That's so true of kingdom life. It's better caught than taught. Spirit life, spirit life, 
resurrection life, third day life that we're into now, church age past, we're into something new, it rides out on your actions. It rides out on your demeanor. It rides out on how you posture yourself. It rides out on your attitude, on your smile, on your lifestyle, all right? All of these things, not being anxious for anything, letting peace when everybody else is in, you know, a quandary about everything, and you still got peace. You know what you're doing? You're imparting, you're demonstrating. It's, it's based on spirit. It's not based on intellect. It's not based on your ability to verbally articulate sophisticated and complicated theological truths, okay? <laughs> Sometimes we're, we're gonna be like the blind guy. I, I, when I first came into grace, I was like the blind guy that came to Jesus and the religious people ran over and said, start questioning him and he said, I, I don't know anything about all that. All I know is once I was blind, but now I see. He imparted something to those Pharisees and those scribes they couldn't get away with, get away from, because the fact was the man could see. And they all knew him since birth that he'd been blind as a bat, couldn't see anything. But he'd been with Jesus. And people can tell when you've been with Jesus. They can tell when you've walked the walk. They can tell by your attitude, your smile, your demeanor. You don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to be able to, to uh, explain theology. And, you know, people want to know, how about this verse in Revelation? You don't have to know about any of that. The siblings of God, it unfolds from person to person to person. Can, can, you, see, can you see the pattern? For, for me, the pattern was it went from, and it has taken literally millions of people from grace to love to where we totally disbanded this Western idea of hell as an eternal conscious torment that would never end. All of that has been, we've been deprogrammed from that not because I tried to deconstruct, but because truth and light and revelation came in. And when the light came in, the darkness had to go. It was person to person. But have you noticed this? As much change is going on on a grassroots level, have you noticed that not one major denomination has changed one thing that they believe? They've made absolutely no adjustment to what's being poured out all over the earth. We're in the middle of a grassroots spiritual reformation that the world has never seen before. That's why I got my arms stretched out around the digital cathedral and I'm embracing you and I'm holding you and I'm appreciating so much your encouragement and support and prayers because we're, in, we're doing something the world has never seen before, and we're not the only ones. I, don't, I never claim to be exclusive. There are other tremendous ministries that are doing exactly, that are hearing the same thing, hearing the same thing. It's, it's kind of that domino effect. When one domino falls, another, 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 and there's a whole line of dominoes that have stretched around the world, and grace tipped one, and it just went from one to one to one. That's why I'm talking to you about impartation. That's why I was stressing this morning that you need to rejoice in everything. And again, I say rejoice. Don't be anxious for anything. Look, we're in something bigger than us. You cannot afford to live in yesterday's depression or tomorrow's anxiety. That cannot be part of your demeanor. You have got to get so buried into Christ Jesus and know that he is so buried into you that you're able to just break it out and break it forth by that smile. There's a, there's a lady, Maria Gonzalez. I see her smile on Facebook every morning. It's all Jesus. It's a, it's, people call it the Jesus smile that that lady has. So as the dominoes of resurrection life in the now, as it moves forward, the, 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 the dominoes are going to fall faster. This thing is going to go much quicker, and it's going to continue until this. Listen, I'm going to tell you how, what the end is going to be. Every knee is going to bow. And every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. It's going to continue with power through impartation from you to many others until every person that was spiritually uh, asleep in Adam is awakened in Christ. It's going to continue on until the glory of God covers the earth as the waters cover the sea. Man, it's going, to, it's going to continue and it's going to get stronger until one day you're going to be over to Walmart and you're going to say to your neighbor, let me just tell you about the good news of the Lord. 
Let me tell you what's happened in my life. And he's going to say, I've already discovered it, man, because we all know him from the greatest to the least. This is a tremendous time to be alive. And this fourth chapter of Philippians, you should come back and listen to this two or three times because we're all have, we all have opportunities to get depressed and anxious. But Paul gives us a way that you can live in your life and you can help others live. You can help others walk through this fourth chapter of, of Philippians and out of your life experience, show them how you've been able to live it out yourself. Not because you're special, but because of that 13th verse, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Because of that 19th verse, you're confident that he will meet every need that you have. Why be anxious when he's met your need? Why be anxious? So you can live this out. This is stuff, I'm giving you stuff that you can take and impart and feed to other people. I feed you, you feed others who are gonna feed others also. Look for those that are living in uh, Luke 4, 17 and 18 that are in bondage, oppressed, that are poor in whatever way, that need to be set free, that need to hear about reconciliation. Those are the people that are gonna be open to your message and give them everything you've got, everything you've got, all the experiences of life that you now look back on and say, I see why it happened. I see what was going on. I didn't like it at the time. I shook my fist at God and said, God, this is wrong. I'm being treated unfairly and unjustly. Now I get it and it was worth it. It's worth it. Paul said, I forgot everything that is behind that I may gain the excellency of the knowledge that is in Christ Jesus. God bless you guys. Hope you have a wonderful Sunday. Rest a little bit. Learn to, to meditate on what the Spirit of God is showing you. Let the Spirit of Truth rise up big on the inside. Be liberal givers. Be liberal prayers. Give to every man that has need that you can. If it's just an encouraging word or a smile, let's give to everybody out of the abundance of the life that we have that we've experienced in Christ Jesus. I'll see you Wednesday night at the Digital Cathedral on the Don Keithley Ministries Facebook page. If you haven't joined, go over and request to join. I'll bring you in. You can be with me on Wednesday night. We'll talk a little bit more about this. Have a wonderful week. Thank you and God bless. Amen. See you next time.